Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. This is your host, June Rumley. Our guest today is New Zealand-based entrepreneur Steve Pyrie, the founder of Wonder and Wonder. Steve is a serial entrepreneur who started working on his ventures at a tender age of 19. His naturally curious mind has led him to co-found and sell many successful businesses, including Unleashed Traveled, named by the BRW, one of Australia's Australia's 100 fastest growing startups, businesses in 2011 and 2012, Nurture Change, Nurture Her, and Unplug Fiji. Recently, Steve has infused, has fused his passion for events, mindset, education, travel, health, and wellness at Wonder and Wonder, an ecosystem created to inspire a new way of thinking and a new way of being. His company brings together innovation, consulting, travel, and learning. His team collaborates with people and brands to unleash their most innovative ideas, events, and experiences. Steve also offers ideation and growth strategy sessions to startups and established businesses in the travel, events, and business space. Companies hack their naturally curious mind to get ideas and connection for your business and their lives. Without further ado, let's bring Steve to the show and ask him all things about his entrepreneurial journey to date. All right, sorry for the long introduction you had. You've done a lot of things. So, hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, hey, June. Um, thank you so much for um, the time today. And, um, yeah, appreciate um, diving in. That was a very long introduction. And uh, sometimes we've just got to take a moment to um, to recap on what we've done. So, uh, thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. No worries. So, let's dive right into the question. So, so you, I just want to get uh, it straight from the get-go. So, what got you interested in being an entrepreneur in the first place? Because you had a pilot license and your father's a and New Zealand pilot so you could have just taken the easy route and got a cushy job in the pilot uh, in you know the any airlines in the world but instead you went into entrepreneurship at a very very young age so what was the thinking behind that yeah it's um, entrepreneurship it's uh, I suppose growing up with a family that uh, we're fortunate enough to, to travel a lot through my younger years and then uh, also be posted to uh, live in the Cook Islands um, and I felt the sort of richness of travel and wonder and curiosity you got to experience so many different ways of life different ways of doing business whether it's in the Mediterranean we used to spend a fair bit of time um, each Christmas and just seeing the way of life in the med um, and the business and the micro businesses within communities really got me I think subconsciously excited at a young young age to then naturally just flow into to that path but yes aviation is deeply ingrained um, from my grandfather being a test pilot in the Air Force many, many years ago through to dad being within New Zealand. Um, but yeah, the um, I, th- I thought that would just be naturally the job. But I think when I got there, I got to the start line of in New Zealand and um, yeah, I saw a lot of uh, bored um, people in the role because yes, it's a cushy job, but it's um, it's a very structured routine 
And uh, that's when I sort of wandering curiosities in my blood as well, right? So entrepreneurship really started at a young age subconsciously and then it consciously came in sort of, yeah, between 15 to 18 when I got some amazing opportunities. Yeah, all right. So I noticed most of your business offering are service and not product-based. So my question would be, how do you validate these business ideas before going out to the market and making money out of them? So in those days, before COVID, right, we could go out and speak to people um i these days are quite different so what did you do the last time because you started quite early after your job at flight center you had a aha moment and you created a business so what was that like how did that happen yeah i think um flight center yeah massive credit to them they're an amazing company and organization and uh yeah just the as a travel agent you get to really create dreams like some people dream of that trip that they're going to take and you literally take that dream and put it into to reality so that um can connection through um, listening and, and sharing stories with potential clients. Um, yeah, I think that's what sparked sparked me into creating service-related businesses because, yeah, that that personal connection um, is, is rich within me. So uh, I love to learn um, off other people. And then, as I said, I love to help guide people as well. And that's what a, a travel agent, event producer does. Um, and that started at Flight Center and kind of leaned into um, my background in sports and events. So I really wanted to create an opportunity for young people my age to be able to go and celebrate um, at sports events and experiences all across the globe. Um, so to create a, a, a service offering where we can make it affordable, accessible and fun. Um, yeah, that started very, very early at sort of 19, 20. So. You saw a gap, right? A gap in the market. Yeah, definitely. There was, um, I can remember back in the day having a conversation and a pitch to um, a large New Zealand sports and events company that have been around for 40 years and they the actual, I remember the uh, the pitch was that uh, they were like a lot of our customers uh, are dying or not being able to travel anymore. So that the $25,000 all black tour, um, their clients were, were dwindling. So I sort of came into to the market to say, me as a 25 year old, yes, I want to go and see the all blacks or go to the Australian Open, but I don't really need the the champagne on arrival or the, the five-star accommodation. I just want to be with a group of, group of friends watching amazing sport and going to the pub afterwards. So that was that sort of catalyst that I could take that service offering to someone where the clients are potentially um, not able to travel anymore. So we're bringing in a new um, offering for them and a new client base as well. So yeah, definitely seeing the gap. That's awesome. So you made 500,000 a year from that business. Is that right? Well, that kind of then took me into uh, to Unleashed, which was the unicorn, I suppose, if we want to sort of classify it back in those days where... Um, growing up in the Cook Islands, as I shared, and having that sort of Pacific cultural community vibe, um, and then also seeing what happens in the the US, how um, school leavers celebrate and they go to spring break and they have they create these amazing experiences. And Australia have something called schoolies, um, where everyone descends on the Gold Coast. And here in New Zealand, we think schoolies, and it's like that's not when we go to the Gold Coast. So I saw again a, an opportunity to go. Well, let's create a, a safe environment on a tropical island in Fiji. Of course, all the school leavers would love to go on an overseas trip in Fiji. The parents who 50% of them were paying for these trips were like, great, they're on a safe island with the same 
same aged group as well. So there was no, it was, it was a great safety factor. So it was really a win-win and that was just a, a unicorn. We would sell trips um, 18 months in advance in a week. And um, yeah, and it's still going to this day, which I'm extremely proud of that uh, my co-founder is still growing that business. So. Got it. That's awesome. Okay, in the early days, you encountered a lot of failed moments. As described by you in a previous Vimeo video, you had one, a 10 minutes video. I'll, I will link it in. Would What would you say to yourself? I mean, what, I was curious, you know, because it was quite, quite uh, full on those failed moments. And what I was just curious, you know, what did you say to yourself to overcome this adverse situation and keep moving forward and not looking backwards? Uh, if you'd like to share, I think one was when you were 16 and you were supposed to go to the Olympics, but then in the end, it didn't work out, right? Yeah, this is very raw. I thought that Vimeo uh, video must have been lost in the archives and got to page three. Um, so uh, congratulations for finding it and bringing it back to the service. Um, yeah, it's uh, sport was very much part of my life growing up and uh, education from a, a book and pen and paper were, was, was not for me. And, and my environment was sport and hockey and was sort of always destined to, to go to the Olympics. And that was my drive. Um, yeah, made a very silly mistake and uh, got caught up in smoking marijuana and literally got dropped and my dreams and everything became an overnight failure. So I was that sort of person on the front page of the paper and um, thank goodness there wasn't social media in that day. That would be a whole new level, right? Um, showing my age right now. We didn't have Facebook back in those days. Um, and yeah, how to pick myself up from there. And I suppose I was very lucky within any team sport, there's pretty amazing community around you i was surrounded by older athletes older players um and to be able to have the conversation about yes i stuffed up i made a i made a mistake um how do i sort of move forward so it's that uh that forgiveness piece where i just sort of talk about the four f's right it's the the fear we we lean into the fear and then sometimes we have failure and and then on the other side of that is like how do we forgive ourselves or others and move forward and that part didn't really come into sort of later down the track where I could kind of go and go through that forgiveness part and, and being surrounded by community and the sort of willing and the wise. I like to share in a lot of conversation is that we've got younger people that really inspire us and look up to us and, um, and, and that sort of mentorship role from us kind of helps. But then there's the other side, which is the wise, which is the older generations that have gone through potentially the same four Fs that we have. So surrounding yourself by that network where you have the safe space to be vulnerable and um and pick ourselves up and yeah on the other side of um forgiveness is freedom right and that's why i went into entrepreneurship and um yeah it's a, it's a good little toolbox that i have now moving forward because there was some deep dark days back in those back in those days so awesome so you actually did very well job a very good job in moving forward and then you started many businesses and you sold two of them by the time you turned 30 so mm. I, I actually wanted to know right um how do you know when is the right time to walk away from the ventures because you started everything from scratch. It was your own baby, but then you're selling it, you know? So how did you know, like, what is the, what kind of methodology do you take before you decide to, you know, sell and leave like completely? I wish there was a, a secret form formula that you could kind of literally go through the checklist. Um, and, and I think there is um, for some people out there, but for me, the businesses that I've been part of have been, yeah, um, impact driven, um, 
and also, yeah, as you said, um, bringing it into the world. It was a baby, right? So um, I think for me, it's very energetic um, around and the momentum as well. So just like when I got to New Zealand and I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be a, a very straight motorway without the opportunity for curiosity to try things and to be able to bring other ideas and experiments in. When that starts to slow down in business for me, um, I think that's not the best time and and energy exchange for me, for the company and the organization. So it's best to get someone else in that can refuel the vehicle to um, to take it forward, whether that's in that direction or the other direction. So for me, it was very much, okay, this has been a great run, momentum, the energy. Um, my curiosity is, is leading me elsewhere. Um, can I find a, a buyer or... Um, someone to come into the company to keep propelling it forward and i'm really grateful and look back with unleashed is that there was a great buyer purchaser from canada that is still fueling that company and it survived covid which many travel businesses didn't and is, is now on the other side ready to thrive again so that's a pretty awesome legacy to kind of look back on okay in that note how do you price a business for sale because you did say you partnered you are you had a co-founder right so just mm-hmm. to sell your share alone right um talk us through some of the motions like this was not a public listed company it's a privately owned so how do you price your portion and how do you find the buyer yeah it's uh how do we price so yeah looking at what else is kind of happening within our uh one degree in our industry and seeing sort of what things are selling for um EBITDA times three times five and yeah we're we're fortunate that travel was uh absolutely ramping when we um sold back in back in the day um and yeah we looked at the three years previous and three years forward and got some independent advice from outside to look at our books because obviously as founders we weren't pulling um your typical ceo um, operation cfo type wages so we had to get those books um aligned and then presented um and fortunate enough our travel company had such great forward sales like we would sell 18 months in advance which is just unheard of in the travel industry unless you're going to a rugby world cup so we did have great forward projections which helped um elevate our sort of multiple that we could get um in the end um and then looked at the sort of second degree what what else is selling in the service related space um and then kind of then presented that looked at uh companies that would there was two things that um happened was uh what companies are looking at entering into the australian new zealand market uh, we knew some successful companies that were doing similar to us in australia and europe we kind of earmarked then went to a conference and um, as you do have a few quiet ones and a, and a dinner and um, and started to share more openly of what we're doing down here and and what they do up there we were very interested in their b2c model we were very b2b they were very excited about how do you get a b2b model so we don't have as much um, operating expense around they had 72 staff that had to take phone calls where we had travel agents selling our product and we only had 12 so there's a really beneficial win-win solution happening so yeah that's, that was kind of the unleashed exit that happened. So, okay, for houses, we can go and put it on realestate.com.au. But for business, how did you find this guy? Like those days, you didn't have Facebook to even put like, hi, I'm selling my business, you know? We didn't even have LinkedIn either. So um, I, I love jumping find, on. Yeah. How did you I, find I love jumping on. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I love jumping on planes and um, and this thing we have, which is quite topical right now, the tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand. And I found it really hard to find people to celebrate success with in New Zealand. So um, I would travel to America. I was fortunate enough to play hockey in Europe. So I had sort of this global network of friends inviting me to be a part of communities and uh, and I'd go to conferences and events. I just love to be surrounded by other people doing great things. And um, that's when conversa- conversation started to open because of my curious nature. Um, and that's how I found potential buyers in, in that business. And that's kind of reflected all the way forward. All my business acquisitions, startups and exits are being through community through conversation and through a lot of lunches. So. Oh, that's good. So, okay. So, okay. So people always associate entrepreneurship with being unemployed. So you're very successful. Okay. You from the start, you've been very successful, but not everybody is like you. They normally fail within the first two years and then they go back to a night to five job. So there's a lot of stigma attached to entrepreneurship being unemployed because you are working on your own time and you're doing stuff on your own time. And the first few months, you usually draw up your own savings to start things. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to ask you if you have any um what are your thoughts on this when people uh, associate unemployment with entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's about having to put a, a positive reframe on things. And uh, and I, I can t- to say the last two years, if there was any top five industries that have been affected um, by COVID, it's been the travel and, ev- travel and also the events industry. And yeah, the last two years, you really go into some soul searching um, pass around what is, what is next. And you go, oh, maybe I should go and get employed. Um, but just to know that... Um, yeah uh, entrepreneurship you're always employed it is your baby it's uh i did have this conversation with my father-in-law i'm like oh, i feel like a part-time entrepreneur and he's like um that's uh that's not true if you're an, if you're an entrepreneur that, that you're either full-time or you're not an entrepreneur so i think yeah a belief is a big thing as well when you're kind of going through those dark cloudy days where things are not performing is knowing that it's only a weather pattern and uh to surround yourself by good people um to be able to support you through that weather system if we use pilot as analogy turbulence is only temporary um flight is continuous right so yeah i don't know if that uh was some interesting insights there but yeah that's kind of how i navigate so tell us about your business now wonder and wonder so it started in 2017 it's still going strong until today so basically right it's actually a Place where startups go and you know they go for boot camps and figure out what they want to do is that how is that how is that how you is that how it is uh, supposed to be or is there something else to it yeah wonder and wonder it's just a it's a catalyst with a question mark at the end that um that stirs conversation like these ones uh for us it's uh it's a way of life the way me and my fiance live as um there's the wonder side of the business which is the pink which is which is her and uh when we when we first met it was um she does amazing things things around design thinking and getting people to think differently, growth mindset, um, appreciative inquiry. And my side was the, the wonder side, the, the, the curiosity, the travel, the new environments, the community. And when we got together, we we're like, well, actually, this is just the way we live our life. And a lot of people um, have been to our events and experiences that we've created and sold, whether it's Nurture Change or Nurture Her, and then the events that we uh, run for other communities. So people come in there and they are inspired to sort of take action, to learn, to evolve um, through the conversations and through the environments that we create. And obviously, the last two years, we haven't been 
being able to create the the wander to new destinations and environments because right now it's that's mm. that's where we feel like we get the biggest uh wins and the momentum where people can step out of their busyness like right now we're in this this covid hybrid model and there's actually no clearly defined lines between i think home life work life office and um we're seeing that people are just stri- starving to to get out into these new environments so we managed to be able to pivot to create these online spaces for organizations and community to come into the zoom room and to have these vulnerable conversations in a safe space which we thought i don't know if this is going to work but it actually saved a lot of communities a lot of businesses because they they felt like they could yes they could still be on the computer like we are here but we can have a pretty open conversation and we can then bring in speakers or tools or health and wellness that people can take away off that zoom call that environment and take it back into their work life and their personal lives to not only just survive through covid but also thrive out the other side so awesome so how does it monetize and do you have competitors in new zealand or are you the only one i think there's many like um experimental agencies out there marketing agencies hr agencies but um we like to not clearly define ourselves because the only thing that is constant right now is change so we sort of agile in the way that um right now um sarah my partner is back in the corporate world um taking um the design thinking and the design work that she's done back into into corporate new zealand and um so we're doing this sort of inside outside approach whereas sometimes it's so hard to get into these corporate organizations because they don't see sort of value and curiosity wonder and and what might be fluffy topics but right now they're actually moving things forward in the design sphere um so yeah to define something right now i don't think is in our best interest but what is performing on the outside is right now travel is reopening and island in a box which is an offering we have to take all our wisdom from bringing people together communities together and environments the the window is open now and what has people missed most over the last two years is connecting with family connecting with their team that are potentially spread between Australia, US and New Zealand. They haven't seen each other for two years. So we've, I have not been this busy in my life with uh, co-creating these environments, whether it's in Croatia or Fiji or America or Australia. Um, So right now we're focusing on that and monetizing that by taking the pain points out of businesses about bringing people together. They right now are just trying to survive and and thrive out the, the other side of, they don't have the time or the resources to, to really focus on community and events and experiences. So we just have a turnkey solution and that's why we call it Island of the Box. It's literally a box. We package it up and um, they just arrive and they're looked after. Oh, okay, great. So you charge them according to the packages that they take, like workshop, half a day, a full day, or if it's a weekly, it's kind of you. everything goes in together with the food travel exactly so we, we do do some like half day or one day design thinking workshops or um, right now burnout is very topical so we we have a great the great thing with wonder and wonder we have a global community of these thought leaders in the space that have contractors such and we bring them in when we need them so yeah whether it's a half day or full day around resilience around burnout and hybrid workspaces we can we can be agile and bring that and the good thing is is we can deliver it to clients across the globe so we've gone from a, a business that just 
delivered physical workshops in New Zealand and Australia to, you know, what we, our client reach has just gone global. And I think there's many silver linings to what COVID has given us through this time. And if if we can put some positive reframes is, yeah, we can be the, the, the biggest uh, exporter of innovation because we've got this thing called Zoom. So service-related businesses can really, yeah, see some great growth opportunities. So yeah, we package that up. And then if people want to then do the international stuff, we have great relationships with Fiji with over 35,000 people that have been through our experiences in Fiji. We work very closely and we have a charity up there that we really just package everything up. So then the client pays X and we pay Y and that's that's where our margin and our, our efforts kind of sit in that, that sweet spot. Awesome, sweet. Okay, uh, so entrepreneurship is a pretty hard gig to do and it's always seems that the men folks are the one making it big or even staying in the game long enough before some of them give in and look for a regular nine to five job. Again, it's back to the same question about, you know, entrepreneurship and unemployment. So on that note, right, since you have two daughters, would you encourage your girls to dabble into entrepreneurship? Because it's a tough gig, but what do you think? <laughs> I, I truly think the um, I, I support and kind of give them the curiosity and wonder to try as many things as they can. Like, um, yeah, our two oldest daughters, uh, nine and eight at the moment, and um, one is already an entrepreneur um, because she likes to see and solve problems. So Sienna uh, created an awesome company called No Litter Glitter. We just kind of put the question out there. We we love to have questions over dinner. So it's like, what what's upsetting you right now? And how would you like to change it? And uh, I remember Sienna was like six, I think it was. And she's like, I don't like war. I want to stop war. And we're like, wow, that's a big a big comment coming out of a six-year-old around the dinner table. And uh, we're like, well, why, why, why are you upset about war? She's like, and she's from Australia and she was like all the refugees that are coming into Australia they don't have homes they leave families behind and we're like wow tears flowing at this stage and she's like well what would you like to do and uh, she's like I'd love to give them some play or some glitter or something we're like well glitter is not the best thing for the environment the amount of times I've got plumbers out to the house to unplug um, drains with glitter uh, we we like well maybe there's a biodegradable glitter and we found it it's 98% biodegradable and she put it on on Kickstarter, I think it was, and she had to fund the first two and a half thousand dollars to to get a first batch. And we had we just put it out through our network and our awesome community, and we had like 120 people from 16 countries raise the three and a half thousand. And now she she's had her podcast, right? So I think entrepreneurship, um, if you can at least give them some opportunities to try it while they're young, they might end up being a doctor, and that's okay. But I I feel like just being able to yeah give them the opportunity. There's going to be more entrepreneurs, which are working within corporates and then come I think this agile way of working like to expect loyalty out of the next generation of workers I think they're going to be working on four or five things at once and that's okay um yeah Ooh, that's a really cool answer. so is she still doing it your daughter she is yeah we had um the school market the uh the other day uh and uh well pre-covid and um yeah she sold six hundred dollars and that donation went back to the school and because we've got five kids and it's a blended tribe like her way of that entrepreneur entrepreneurship has led to um, my older daughter who's interested in writing a book for the first time around saving the planet and that was sparked by the inspiration of her sister and now it's the younger sister who's uh, five wants to create baby scrub play which is a so it's like being surrounded by kids that are trying things yeah that they, they haven't lost their curiosity and wonder at school and I feel like as, as adults sometimes we need to go back to the school playground and um, and get into the sandpit and and give 
give it a go and try some things and that's okay. And I think kids give us, like I say, the willing and the wise. Well, sometimes the kids are the wise ones, right? It's like, well, they're having a great time. They're trying a lot of new things. They're not really worried about failure because they haven't been part of society for too long that they've got this whole stigma around failure. They just see it as a lesson. So yeah, the willing and the wise is not defined by age, color or, or background, right? It's um, It can come from both sides of the ledger. Awesome. That's great insight. Thank you for sharing. So that is all the time that we have for today. We have just been speaking to Steve Peary, the founder of Wonder and Wonder. Thank you, Steve, for joining us today. No problem. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's um, been awesome. Awesome. So the pleasure is all ours. Be sure to join us in the new year as we aim to interview more awesome entrepreneurs in this series created exclusively for you by DailyStraits.com. Thank you.